I'm Lauren, and I'm a veterinarian. I'm JJ, and I'm a veterinary technician. And you're listening to IntroVets, a veterinary podcast by introverts with high-functioning anxiety. <laughs> Sorry, I've had to do a lot of talking this week. I sounded like something got ran over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Mm-hmm. Uh... I went to therapy today. Same. I had a really good meeting with my therapist today where she slapped me around a little bit. Not really. <laughs> she was like, smack, get over it. You know, no, not really. <laughs> she said, if you mess something up and someone says, hey, you, hey, you messed this up. Why don't you stop thinking about it as being scolded or getting in trouble and start thinking about it as an opportunity to avoid a similar mistake in the future? And I'm still trying to, like, get a, my head around that 100%. But I, I was like, I like it. I mean, it sounds good, but it hmm, it sounds suspect yep. in the way that I think things are suspect when they sound simpler than yeah. I try to make them. <laughs> yeah. You can lock it in. It's just at first it sounds so foreign to your brain because you're like, no, no, I'm getting in trouble. Mm-hmm. These people are mad at me. These people yeah. hate me. I'm like, no, they're just right. like, hey. Here's a issue. Fix it. Uh-huh. Going forward. But yeah, I, I hear you. I'm the rule follower, people pleaser. So if I got any type of letter, I'm like, oh, God, I'm going to jail. <laughs> <Get stoned. laughs> How do you mean stoned? Well, people stoned in which way? Until you die. I mean, oh, I was like. No. Uh, well, that is one way to handle it, I guess. <laughs> no, I mean, not legal in Alabama. But. No. Also, we had Dana Hampson, the therapist on the podcast last time, and she recommended a book uh, called, hang on. Not Nice. Yes. The name of the book is Not Nice. And so I downloaded it and it is amazing. <laughs> and I mean, uncomfortable to listen to a little bit because I'm like, this is uncomfortably too close to home on every single thing this guy's saying. So it made me be like, "Mm, what? (laughs) But, uh, oh, like, man, I saw myself a lot in that, uh, in like the description. So I'm on like the third chapter. It is a long book. Mm -hmm. I downloaded the audio book and it's like 18 hours. So it's long. It's like, Stephen King's It type long. Yeah, without the children orgy. Oh, God. (laughs) Trigger alert. I don't know. And also spoiler alert for the book. Sorry. (laughs) Anyway, it is, yes, Stephen King's It is effed up. What the heck? What happened to that man's childhood? Yeah, if you haven't read that book in a while, Stephen King's It, like, say you read it when you were like a preteen and into horror, if you revisit it as an adult, you're going to see... It's a lot of problematic themes in this book. <laughs> the whole ending, uh, if he tried to put that book out now, I think people would probably raid his home. Yeah. You know, like his computers would be <laughs> taken yeah. by the FBI and he would be like arrested. Yeah, stuff anyway. like that. I, I like to call that the Blue Lagoon effect because, you know, as a child, <laughs> I mean, if you're a person who was a child in the 80s and you watch that damn movie and then you watch it again when you're older and you know about things, you're like, what I thought yeah. he was fishing. I thought that uh, man was fishing. was fishing. I did oh not God. know he was he was fishing. All right. Yeah, that movie is straight up 
what in the hell, man? Yeah. What yeah. in the hell with that movie? I mean, it just totally ruined things. Aren't they also siblings? I think so. It's like an incestuous yeah. movie, right? Yeah, but I mean, they were the only one on the island. And oh, man. But yeah, still gross. But it's very upsetting. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, I should not defend uh, incestuous relationships and being from Alabama. Lord knows, that's just, no. What in the hell, 1980s? Come on. (laughs) I know, it's just, I mean, (laughs) watch that thing when you're, you got about another 10 years on, you're like, wait a minute. (laughs) I thought this was just a cute movie about two kids that grew up on this amazing island and built a tree house. Mm Mm-hmm. And a baby appeared. What? <laughs> and a baby appeared. And don't eat those scary blackberries. That's the yeah. one I remembered as a kid. Mm, yeah. The mm, uh, mm. the PG and R rating systems that came later. That's a real thing. Yeah. So you don't have the Blue Lagoon effect. <laughs> welcome to Intervets. <laughs> what a welcome that was. Professional, caring, on topic. Well, today we have with us a veterinarian from the Vets for Vets Foundation, And our goal today is to give a companion episode to our therapy episode. And JJ and I were talking like, what sort of content should we include in this mini episode? And we kind of brainstormed and we thought, "Uh, we need to let people know about this program because a lot of people don't know that they have this option and that it's free. So we're going to talk to Dr. Bree Montana and she is joining us from Mm -hmm. California. So if you notice Mm -hmm. some uh differences in the audio that's why it's hard to record remotely between alabama and california without a little bit of audio difference so brie is a veterinarian she graduated from the university of cincinnati with a bachelor's degree in science and went on to earn her veterinary degree from ohio state university she's a full-time small animal practitioner and a practice owner and she's also a certified compassion fatigue professional She's the director of the Venn Foundation's Vets for Vets program, and that's going to be the main topic of our episode today. Well, Brie, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to head up the Vets for Vets program. So in 2010, we started Vets for Vets, and the program started uh, when a bunch of us from uh, Venn got together talking about how at the time the economy was terrible. My particular practice was going through a real hard time. The economy was awful where we were. And I had just lost uh, a long-term associate who I just dearly loved. And I was working her schedule and my schedule and having two businesses and having a really hard time uh, servicing my vendors Mm. and also my clients and taking care of patients. And life was just a shit show. Um, And uh, we had a conversation on VIN about some suicides that um, that had been completed amongst our, our colleagues. And we we just all were feeling kind of lost and bereft and stressed and like what the hellish. And Paul Pion invited anybody that wanted to come to Davis, California, where the VIN offices are. Um, And he flew people from all over the country. Oh, wow. um, And put them up. Yeah. Uh, Just VIN members that said they wanted to come and that we were motivated to try to make some change. Um, And we're all talking about, um, kind of what was going on in our community and I just like am a big mouth and so I'm like I just think it would be so much better if we had like a place where we could go to talk about things because in my small community there are a lot of veterinarians and we're sort of like 
we all have the feeling that there's not enough food to go around. And so instead of being built bonding together, like when I practiced in San Francisco, we sort of had a really nice feeling of communality. We all sort of like, we're really collegial and we sort of, we didn't feel competitive. There's like enough food. Um, But in Tahoe, it often feels like um, there's just not enough to go around. And so we sort of get, we're all um, defensive and aggressive with each other. So I couldn't feel safe talking to my colleagues about how, challenged I was and how I was afraid for my business and my family and all of my employees who are dear to me. Um, and so I just you know, said, hey, you know, I think we need somewhere where people could call, we could talk to each other and just like having a listening <laughs> ear and a shoulder to lean on. I wish I had that. And Paul's like, well, why don't you just make that happen? <laughs> why don't you just do it? Yeah. <laughs> and so we just started. And it's it, honestly, when Vets for Vets started, people would call, people had my personal email. Now we have a Google number that still rings at my hospital. Um, we're back to being open every day. Now we were closed on weekends for a little while, but we're back to being open every day. And so we answer the Vets for Vets phone number between 9 a.m. Pacific time and, and 5 p.m. Pacific time every day of the year. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's my hospital team, actually, that answers that. But we have the Google number. And so we know it's Vets for Vets. And so they know this is a confidential phone call coming in. And um, they're going to be booking uh, some time with Dr. Montana. And and so they'll block off. Sorry about the Huskies. <laughs> they'll block off some time on my calendar so that I can have a confidential conversation with someone. And then I have this just amazing team that I can hand people off to if they need it. Like sometimes I can just address the issue myself mm-hmm. and I can I can connect them with our confidential vets in recovery team, you know, group. It's a group where they, the vets in recovery meet and they talk about their issues and how they're striving for a healthy lifestyle. And they have this amazing collegial, supportive, confidential group to work with. Or maybe it's somebody that needs to join our vets, our cancer vets group for veterinarians that are working with cancer. Or maybe it's somebody that has another specific problem that we have a group for. So like as the years rolled out, People would call me with issues and like by the time a second person called, I'd say, okay, you have a problem. I'm making a program. Yeah. As time rolled on, these amazing women who were kind of helping to build everything and helping to support everything. Um, Dr. Susan Cohen, who is, she's a psychotherapist and she's just, uh, she's just spectacular when things are not going right for me. We usually have a meeting every week and I just know she's going to have the right ability to listen or Mm. thing to say to help me like shine a light on the fact that I'm going to survive, you know, Um, or that I'm not alone. She's just amazing. And then um, Dr. Michelle Gaspar, who over the time that we've been having this program for more than 10 years now, um, she's become a psychotherapist as well. She's a veterinarian with a pastoral counseling degree, and she's really interested in a mindfulness meditation, which I don't know why I always think in my head, mindlessness meditation. (laughs) (laughs) So Susan, Dr. Cohen, Susan, she runs this confidential support group that we have every Thursday at nine o'clock Eastern time. Mm -hmm. And she helps groups and she's like, she's really, she has, um, she has a a loss, a pet loss, uh, support group privately, you know, separately. And she's like extra great at that. And she's really good at kind of creating a safe environment for people to be who they are in difficult times. And then Michelle helps me with people like one-on-one that have, you know, more challenging problems. And she's just step in and 
walk alongside someone while they're trying to find a therapist for real. And she'll always have a connection. She's just a really, a really nice port in the storm. We mentioned that you are a certified compassion fatigue professional. Can you say a little bit about what that is? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let me just tell you that um, I pursued the education um, necessary to become certified in that because I feel like compassion fatigue is a real thing. Mm. Um, we have two different major issues in our profession that affects there's a cosette husky again don't don't worry about it i think that it's uh everybody will be excited that there's it's just music yes i have four of them what do you want a recording we we had recently my elderly border collie like crashed into the microphone and i'm like <laughs> okay yeah no worries <laughs> i feel like we have two significant issues in veterinary medicine one is burnout which is easier to manage um you just take a little time off adjust your schedule um, burnout is easily repaired and compassion fatigue, which is sort of a PTSD experience for, and it's very legitimate. It's a real thing. Um, many, many people in the helping profession from people that are peace officers and judges and uh, attorneys and social workers to human physicians and nurses um, and veterinarians, uh, we all experience uh, compassion fatigue. And it's a result of us um, having uh, actual trauma. A dog bites us. I've I was bitten in the neck uh, like 10 years ago um, by a pit bull. So that's, you know, direct uh, uh, compassion fatigue issue or secondary uh, or visceral vicarious trauma. And that's when we see a dog or cat or a patient, a cow that we love and care about that needs care and the owners can't afford it. Yeah. Or it's had a horrible trauma, you know, and you're doing your best. Maybe it was a hit by car and you're hoping to care for that. So, um, we have these very real experiences. And then, of course, there are mistakes that we make or bad outcomes, and those create scarring on our soul and our spirit. And that is basically the basis of compassion fatigue. So I pursued training in uh, healing compassion fatigue, recognizing it, uh, preventing it, and healing it. And I think it's something that we, I would love if we could teach this in vet school and to every veterinarian and every helping professional the technicians, the veterinary assistants, the hospital managers, we all would benefit from understanding when we are um, kind of picking up compassion fatigue, how to prevent it from clinging to us, and then how to heal it once it gets to us. So what exactly is the Vets for Vets program? Oh, great question. Okay. So um, Vets for Vets, it's uh, under the umbrella of the VIN Foundation. And the VIN Foundation is a 501c3 um, it's kind of the five, I describe it as the 501c3 arm of VIN, but it's really separate from VIN. Um, the VIN Foundation is um, run off of uh, donations from us, from veterinarians and uh, uh, technicians and hospital managers, people that uh, kind of want to help the veterinary community and private citizens. We have some donations from folks that um, their veterinarian did something wonderful for their animal, and so they want to help the veterinary community. Um, all of the programs that we have are free for every veterinarian from anywhere in the world. I've worked with people from yeah. Saudi Arabia and Hong Kong and mm -hmm. um, just like everywhere. That's amazing. I know. It's really cool. So we have Support for Support. That's run by Charlotte Ward-Wack and that's targeted for veterinary support team members, managers, technicians, assistants, um, reception, kennel staff, uh, rescue rescue folks, you know, uh, for all those folks. And then Vets for Vets is for veterinarians. We have 
um, Tony, who helps uh, people understand their student loans and make sure they're using the most effective and cost-effective payback scheme schemas. Um, he's probably the most knowledgeable person in the world about student loan repayment. Um, and he helps people one-on-one -on -one to walk through what they're doing with their loans. He also, we always encourage them to, um, we always encourage them to, good God. I don't know what's going on. There must be a bear outside. We have a bunch of baby bears like uh, doing stuff right now. Goddamn bears. Okay, I'm so sorry. Welcome to Tahoe. Um, so he's like the most knowledgeable person um, about that sort of thing. And he works with people one-on-one. -on -one, and we like to, if possible, get them to anonymously tell their stuff on on Vin just so everybody can read about it, you know, because often people will learn about something about their loan from that, but they don't have to be VIN members to do that. We'll make it happen for them. We have Vets in Recovery, which is a um, confidential support group for veterinarians in recovery from any form of addiction. We have folks with eating disorders, gambling disorders. I mean, if you could be addicted to it, we as veterinarians experience it. Um, and currently they're having Zoom meetings every week during the pandemic which has been super helpful for folks. And then we have a veterinary can a cancer vets group for uh, veterinarians with cancer. Um, we have mentor match, which is where I try to find somebody who will match your need as a mentor. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that means I'll match you up with somebody who's been through a bankruptcy or somebody who has had a bullying colleague or somebody who's had a bad internship. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just like just about anything. I'll often, uh, I have some folks who have, um, who are working su successfully with anxiety and depression as veterinarians, and they will mentor folks that are just trying to get that together yeah. to kind of figure out how to understand their brain and their lifestyle. Um, so we have that. We have Susan's group, um, which is a confidential group that meets every Thursday at 9 p.m. You have to get a hold of me and we chat, and then I'll introduce you to Susan and she'll invite you to join the group. Because we have to make sure that anyone in the group doesn't know anyone else that's joining the group. Yeah. You know, if, if you're having a problem with your colleague who's... Oh, no. That could get awkward. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So we want to make sure that we're really careful and respectful of all the personalities in the group. And that we, enter, we add people into the group in a thoughtful mm -hmm. and considerate fashion so that everyone in the group feels safe. Um, and then, of course, I have Michelle who's there, Dr. Michelle Gaspar, who helps me with um, folks that really need, she mostly helps me with folks that really need a therapist now and they can't get one now. Um, mm -hmm. And so she will walk alongside them and help them find one. And kind of, she works as a sort of a bridge to hold their hand until they can get to safely to the other side of the road where they can meet up with somebody who's going to really work with them, you know, with boots on the ground. Um, and then honestly, we do, I do a lot of looking at people's resumes and cover letters for them. Uh, people that have had, most most frequently, people that have had um, kind of a checkered history of jobs mm -hmm. and they don't know how to put it together in a way that shows them at their best. Mm -hmm. um, we never want to lie in mm -hmm. a cover letter or resume, but we also want to say, hey, here's what I learned and here's what's good about me and here's how I could fit into your, here's how I could be the key to your lock. So, so that's... I mean, Vets for Vets is, it's kind of, 
it's kind of everything that I wish that I had had during my, my worst times. You know, somebody to think, think outside the box and say, I listen to your problem. I hear your problem. I hear your challenges. I hear your mistakes. I hear the awesome. bad choices that you've made. And here's the beauty in that. Mm. Here's the here's the glory in your damage. And here, here, let's talk about what you learned. And let's talk about what you can learn from it. Since I've been running Vets for Vets, I've made more mistakes. I've had more bad cases. Sure. Um, I had an osteosarcoma dog, and I did a sh- jam sheety biopsy of the wrong leg. Dr. Montana, shit happens. And, but it is hard, though, um, oh, to oh, it's, it's so horrible. hard. So horrible. Yeah. And so I, um, you know, so the owner called and said, why is there a suture on this leg when that leg's the lame leg? And I said, oh, you know, I let me look. You know what? I biopsied the wrong leg, and I'm I am so sorry. I absolutely own this. I am going. You know, let me just first say I'm so sorry, and I absolutely made a mistake. So we're going to figure out how we managed to make this mistake and what we could do in the future to to never make this mistake again. Um, of course, I'll pay for all of the things that have to happen. That this particular owner said, I had an ACL repair on my knee, and they made a mistake, and they severed a major artery. And the human physician never owned up to them making a mistake ever, and they never apologized. And the fact that you just said, I'm so sorry, and I mm-hmm. I own this mm-hmm. was huge. And I'm like, oh, my God, I feel so okay about it. <laughs> I mean, shitty, too. Being in the position that I'm in with Fest for Vets, I was like, yeah, I have so much compassion for your mistake because I have made mistakes. Yeah. Well, no one is mistake free. If you think yeah. as a veterinarian and you've practiced for, I mean, more than six months at, <laughs> at all, mm-hmm. and you think that you've never made bad mistakes, mm-hmm. you're wrong. You have. You just don't know about yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. They just went down the street and told that guy down the street and he didn't tell you. That's right. Or or you're in denial about it. I mean. Right. Mm-mm. In it, justification. Things happen. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And honestly, um. Sometimes folks will say, gosh, you know, how do you have time to do this project and how do you have the energy for it? And I have to say that I get so much more back than I give to it. Um, Every minute that I actually have that real connection with someone where we're like really elevating the problem into a solution and into praise, it, it, I get it too. When it rains, it rains on all of our crops in a good way. That's amazing. So how does it work exactly? I mean, Does somebody call in? Is it kind of like a hotline where someone listens to a particular problem or is there like ongoing care Mm -hmm. after the initial call? Sometimes people will reach out to me uh, with an email and I'll email back and say, oh, you came to the right place and here's what we can do for you. And maybe I'll send the blurb that talks about all the things or maybe I'll just target it to their specific issue. And I will often say, please call this number. When I'm speaking Mm -hmm. to somebody on the phone, it's sort of like when you're in the room with a client, which we're not right now, um, but we're in the room with a client and I can kind of get the vibe off the client of where we're going with this. Like, can I really recommend intense diagnostics because they're that guy or do we need to do sort of palliative care? You know, and I can get the vibe off of my colleague and say, where are they now? How much trouble are they in? What kind of help are they looking for? And it just is so much easier for me when I talk to them by phone. So I often will encourage people to talk to me by phone. And then during that phone call, I'll find out if it's something where I should be coaching them myself um, on uh, every couple of weeks kind of situation, or I should be recommending that they you know, send me their cover letter and resume, or we should do this. 
And sometimes we can handle it right there in that phone call. Um, and other times it's like, oh, it sounds like you really um, would benefit from being in Susan's group. You really sound like what you need because you're maybe really remote or even you're in the city, mm-hmm. but there's nobody that's, you don't have a wolf pack that you can share your stuff with regularly. So what you need is a regular safe place to fall, um, which you may or may not go to weekly, but you'll be invited to go all the time. And then if you want to go every Thursday, you can do that. Or maybe I'm like, oh, wow, we're, you're really, you're really in trouble right now. And I need to get somebody to talk to you within the next 48 hours and try to help you find a therapist. And then maybe I connect you with a psychotherapist, like maybe uh, Michelle or Susan. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we kind of, each one is different. So sometimes people come into Vets for Vets and I hook them with, up with a mentor and they work with that mentor for years. Sometimes they come into Vets for Vets and I hook them up with somebody who's going to talk to them about um, how to work for the health department. And that's just, yeah. you know, and they're, and they're off and they do that. Sometimes I have somebody who has a terrible exotics residency and they're failing out of it um, or they've been kicked out of it or they refuse to continue with it because they're so mean to them. I mean, this really happens, these things. Oh, yeah. And so maybe I, I pull together a couple of veterinarians um, that didn't do a residency, but they're exotics doctors, you know, and so they talk about alternative plans. I mean, it's just like I feel like it's just like an extension of my small animal practice. Whatever the fuck comes in the door, we're going to triage it, do some labs. We're going to pull some blood and kick some ass. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. How many uh, how many people do you have that's kind of working in the program? Um, so I have Jordan Benchia, who you guys met. She's the executive director of the VIN Foundation. And she's kind of like the jet fuel that makes everything happen. She runs all of Tony. Um, he does like how to handle your loans and things like that. She has a lot of CE uh, programs with Tony. And then Tony, Tony's kind of independent. He's a VIN Foundation guy, not so much Vets for Vets, but I claim him because he's so great. <laughs> um, and then I have Michelle and Susan and that's it. I have a whole cadre of people that I have. I have like, um, I have mm-hmm. a chart in Avamark at my hospital because uh, I work like every day. <laughs> and those are my mentors. And I have little notes like they're set up as patients under a client's name, you know, uh, Vets for Vets. And they, and I have listing what their specialty is. Like this veterinarian went through some extreme bullying and she came out the other side and she's like really good at managing being bullied by your colleagues. Um, this veterinarian was bullied by the support staff and she's learned how to both keep herself safe and also deal with bullies in a way that's really constructive. I have this person who um, was in veterinary medicine and now she's in industry. Yeah. You know, so I have like little notes about what this guy went through. This man uh, is really good at this and this person's personality style is like that. Mm -hmm. So like I have some kind of business management gurus, men who are like really good at talking to other men or women that are really good at working with men. And then I have women that are better at working with women than men. You know, it's like everybody's got their thing. Mm -hmm. You know, some people are good at working with everybody. Mm -hmm. Some people are only good at working with like their personal style. And then, you know, so I have like all these little notes about what their special strengths and quirks are. And so when Mm -hmm. I meet somebody, Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, you're not going to get along with this guy that's kind of (laughs) dominant. You know, you're not going to do very well with somebody that's kind of talking to you like you're his daughter. Mm -hmm. You need somebody that's going to talk to you like, you know, you're going to play off of each other and he's going to challenge you and you're going to challenge back and it's going to go well, you know. And so I kind of try to do this like match of personality styles and needs and skills. 
yeah, that's a good skill in general to have. I mean, that's matchmaking for mental health. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds really fun, actually. It, yeah, it kind of makes sense. Like, you're like, oh, my God, you sound just like this person. I think you'll be great together. <laughs> yep. <laughs> what is an average day like for you in the program? I'm primarily a practice owner. I'm a solo practitioner. So I've sort of created a life where I mix all the things I like. I only do what I want. So my house is dirty. <laughs> um, the only thing I vacuum is my horse. Um, so like, so three days out of the week, I get up and I go ride my horse in the morning and then I go to work and I'll, uh, well, first thing I get up is I'll answer a bunch of emails because I'll have emails from, you know, anywhere could be the East coast or, you know, uh, the overnight ones from, you know, overseas will come in overnight. And so I'll get up in the morning, I'll answer those around five and I'll say, duh, 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 here's this, send me your resume or here's what's going on with this. Or, you know, I'll, I'll do maybe an hour of email answering while I drink all my coffee because God knows I need coffee. <laughs> um, and then I'll go off and do my fun thing. And then I'll go to work. And in between my patients and my clients, I'll have block offs and I'll have a ha a usually Usually folks um, will give them a half an hour for vets for vets and they'll call me because I can never remember to call anyone. I had to set two alarms for our meeting. <laughs> um, and I'll, just always, I'll be doing a lot of things that are maybe not important <laughs> instead of calling people. And so they'll call in and I'll take copious notes and we'll talk. If it's somebody I never met before, I'll say, hey, you know, we haven't met before. So I always want to start by telling you that anything you tell me is confidential unless you and I decide to like share something with someone that's going to help you. And I'll only share what you and I agree to share. Um, so tell me everything. <laughs> and then, and then we'll talk. We'll just like, I'll get a vibe for what's going on and we'll get a feel for where they are right now today and in general. So like uh, what's making you come in today and then what's generally been <laughs> happening in the last while. And then what's your childhood like all within 30 minutes. Um, and then we'll kind of like towards 20 minute mark. And I have like a real good sense for this because, you know, that's how <laughs> that's how this works. Um, um, I'll say, OK, it sounds like we need to do this and this for you. How does it sound? And they'll say, oh, no, I'm not ever going to go to a group meeting or uh, or they'll say, you know, I just. I don't know what to do. And so we'll try some different things. And I'll say, do you want somebody to speak to with you directly? Do, should I look for a mentor for you? We'll kind of talk about all the different things uh, that are going on. And before the end of the 30 minutes, we'll have our next action step. About how many calls do you get in a day? The team tries to limit the amount of calls to three a day because depending on the degree of need, sometimes I get like overwhelmed by it. So they know mm -hmm. that if they're talking to somebody who's really super needy, they can get them a meeting with me immediately. It doesn't matter. We'll just move things around. Uh, but they won't try to make me have too many really hard ones in the same day. And yeah. so I usually will do like an hour and a half a day. You said that you only take the time to do things you really want to do. How do you find the time to practice full time, be a business owner and also help counsel people? I like to be really busy and I like to be having a lot of things going on at the same time. If I don't have enough things going on, then I have a hard time tracking things and keeping up with things. I do better being overwhelmed than mm -hmm. I do being kind of underwhelmed. You know, That's with, so with interesting. Stuff. Yeah, it's like what works for me. Yeah, I was always getting in trouble when I was in <laughs> elementary school for the teacher never seeing my face because my butt was always in the air. So <laughs> I, think, I think that's just 
that's just how I am. <laughs> I just need to be busy. And my team knows it at, at, the, at the hospital as well. What do you find most rewarding about working with the Vets for Vets program? It's the connection that I have. We're not all the same, but we have a common core. It's like a ribbon that runs through all of us that is our goal and our gold. And the gold in me recognizes the gold in my colleague. And when we get that flowing at the same rhythm, mm -hmm. it's just amazing. That human connection that you have, that's really awesome. I think that's what we're here for. Over my career, um, people have told me that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing in veterinary medicine, that this is like what I was meant to be doing. And I think it's because of the connection. That's my gift is my ability to hear you. And that's what feeds me. How can we help? How can we spread the word and get more knowledge about this program? I think what you're doing right now is such a gift to Vets for Vets because someone who never would, you know, who's not a VIN member and thinks that Vets for Vets only is mm -hmm. only for VIN members when I'm telling you, it's for all of us. It's for all of us. Um, someone will hear this podcast because you have gone to all the trouble and been courageous enough to put yourselves out there and do something that was scary for you oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and is outside of your like wheelhouse. Um, you did that. And then you contacted me and you don't know me no. and you didn't know how much trouble I would be or how, how many Huskies I really have and a cat and three horses. Thank God they're not here because they're really naughty. Um, you know, you guys did this and somewhere someone is going to hear this and they're going to email vets for vets with the number four at vinfoundation.org and it'll make the difference in their life. How can donations be made? Okay, so I do a donation every month. I've forgotten how much it is because I've been doing it for so long. I do an automatic donation. Those are probably the best donations, even if oh, they're $10 awesome. a month. Recurring donations are, are matched. We have a generous donor, donor who matches recurring donations. Um, but any donation is super helpful. You can go to vinfoundation.org and there's a donate button, there's a give button, and you can click on that um, and it's super easy. I'm, I've gotten a lot better at being computery, but I'm probably the least computery of all of us um, <laughs> and I managed to do it. So, So how can we help spread the word? Um, I would love it if you would just like tell people that Vets for Vets is mm -hmm. out here for them and also for our tech community and our assistant community. I'm a huge fan of VSPN. I just taught a course on VSPN for uh, on compassion fatigue. We had veterinary assistants and technicians, hospital managers and veterinarians in that course. And mm -hmm. it's a revelation to me that VSPN does so much for free for everyone. Um, so VSPN memberships are free. And I feel like I really mm -hmm. wish that more people would join VSPN because it would make it a better, stronger community. Because um, the more people that are in there doing stuff and you know dropping notes about mm -hmm. how to use Alfaxalone mm -hmm. or how to how to sharpen your dental instruments, God, it's so helpful. Um, telling people that support for support exists, they have a Facebook page, and Charlotte runs that. Um, telling people that Vets for Vets exists, and we're free. We're, you don't have to be a VIN member. Our support groups are free for everyone. Just shoot me an email. I mean, that's how you could help me by getting the word out. What you're doing right now is exactly what we need. We need people to help us monetarily to email me and say, hey, I know a lot about elk. I'd love to be an elk mm -hmm. medicine uh, mentor. I mean, honestly, we really need large animal mentors. Um, okay. um, uh, exotics mentors and large animal mentors are impossible to get. Uh, so if, if anybody wants to mentor, a uh, mentoring takes usually 
like 15 minutes a week, sending an email back and forth with a you know, veterinarian that's trying to get good at that, getting the word out, what you're doing right now, it's gold. It's everything. We're hoping that this information is going to reach a lot of people and let a lot of people know that they don't need to have insurance. They don't need to have, you know, a lot of money. We have resources available to the community. And, um, and I think that's super valuable. One of the key points to my compassion fatigue prevention course is that one of the most helpful things we can do for ourselves is to develop a small wolf pack, a cadre of supportive professionals that we can talk to. Three to four assistants, if you're a veterinary assistant, technicians, if you're a technician, veterinarians, if you're a veterinarian, three to four colleagues that you can share with and you want to kind of formally uh, create a group and talk to each other at least weekly and talk about the highs and the lows. And in my hospital, we call it the highs and the grows, um, the things that, you know, that went well and the things that were frustrating and kind of take turns. If we can encourage people to develop small local networks of folks and you know your local network might be somebody in ohio and somebody in california and somebody in florida you know because we're all connected now Um, but if we can develop small local networks that is the best support and compassion fatigue for prevention that we can create and it's free well thank you so much for being on the podcast you you've been a a real joy to interview and we don't mind the huskies at all just husky husky noise is just a normal part (laughs) of life now so thank goodness (laughs) come back at 5 a.m they'll be up again (laughs) well thank you so much thank you You guys thanks for having me bye-bye bye-bye if you guys have any submissions for the podcasts like funny stories cases crazy client interactions personal stories anything you want to share give us a holler and our email address is introvetspodcast at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you yes and we'll see you next time bye bye bye